Hello there. Hello there, and welcome to the latest episode of the Sith Taker Snapshots podcast. Um, I'll be your host for today, uh, Rich Polly, and joining me uh, in front of the mic for, for once is producer Tim King. Hello there. And joining us, very special guest, it's only the world champion himself, Ollie Pocknell. General Kenobi. <laughs> so I'm wondering, first things first, does this give you the full house of all the X-Wing podcasts since you won the world championship? I, I probably. I've, <laughs> I've basically, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to say sold myself out because I don't know whether this is safe for kids or not. But uh, I, I've talked to a lot of people. It's good fun. I've definitely done, I, th- I don't think I've got onto the Barons yet. Um, I, I would like to get onto the, some of the Aussie guys as well, but uh, yeah, I've, I've been in a few. I've been, the Minox uh, have got uh, virtual cuddles, so. And uh, and I, I'd listened to you on the Tula Squadron having opinions about playing poker with spaceships as well. Ah, so. it's like the the. I really really like that episode. Um, yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, it's it, if anyone hasn't watched, it, I think it was episode fifty about the the comparison between X Wing and poker and like the trans transferable skills in terms of it not just being a board game but it being a mind game as well. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's good content, actual actual good content. So um, yeah, good good recommendation. Um, so anyway, we're going to talk today a little bit about hyperspace. Um, we're just pushing into the start of Store Champ season, so there's. Start where we're starting to get um, a bunch of results through from places like America. Uh, the Sith Taker um, Store Championship at Element Games is next Saturday. Um, so what's that? The seventh? Yeah, the seventh uh, of March. Um, and I know that um, Incom Gaming, um, somewhere down south in basically France, have got theirs next week as well. So um, <laughs> loads of um, loads of stuff starting to happen, and I think a lot of people are looking at. Um, hyperspace uh, in uh, in a number of ways. I, I've got opinions, but first of all, I'm going to ask Ollie, um, what, what's your opinion of hyperspace in general and uh, how are you preparing for um, store champs? So I like hyperspace. I think before, before I start complaining, that's, that's something that I'm going to say, actually. I, I think hyperspace is a really good idea um, and I think it's very close to being executed well. Um, I think it's been executed a lot better than it was last time um, at the start of this uh, idea of a split. Um, and yeah, I think uh, the guys over at FFG are doing a pretty good job in terms of allowing new players to come in relatively easily. Uh, there isn't quite so much they have to prepare for. It's fairly easy to get involved in the game and it, the, the game is easy to understand. I think there's a lot less gotcha moments that happen in hyperspace. So if you're sitting at a table and you go, okay, this this is what this list does, you play for half an hour and then suddenly your opponent pulls something and you go, well, that can't work. And it's like, oh yeah, no, that's in the rules. You just didn't understand it. Um, so th- there's less of those moments, uh, which is good. Uh, there's also Boba, uh, which I'm, I'm sure we will talk about in a second, but I think that there are still some kinks to be worked out with hyperspace. Um, some of that comes down to the amount of variance in the game and I suppose from FFG standpoint that can be a good thing um, also it comes down to effectively pricing certain upgrades in a format where the normal counters to those upgrades are dead because you're not allowed to use them um, Slave 1 title is going to be and has become a problem so yeah but we can get we can get into more of that later yeah, cool. 
Cheers. Um, yeah, I was I was thinking just on your your new player thing. Even for experienced players who's maybe not bought into a faction, one of the cool things I think about hyperspace is that a lot of lists, if you've got the disposable income to do it, which some people do and some people don't. Like if you're looking at Bob at the minute and going, I can't figure out how to beat that and I want to join it, but I don't fly scum, you can go out and buy two blister packs, a slave one and a and a fang fighter, and you can run Boba Fenn. Yeah. Um, and it costs like fifty quid. And it's you not can. having to go out and buy like, you know, eight different packs and individual upgrades from out of faction, all this kind of stuff. You literally can just go into your store, pick two things off the shelf and run basically one of the top two or three medalists. Um, yeah, and for, any hassle, so. for under 100 quid for every single card, like if, if you want to run the entirety of it, I think you can get every card for under 100. And yeah. in a in a board game tournament, like if have, have a look at 40k, if you want to get an army regardless of the time you're probably spending three to five hundred pounds plus the time to paint it and make it if you want it painted and made for you you're looking at grand um yeah. to get into a top tier army it's kind of cool i mean i i have i only play x-wing and i've only ever played x-wing and my primary barrier to entry to everything else has been the time to paint and glue miniatures together because <laughs> i'm more likely to end up with bits of space marine glued to myself than to each other because um, i'm not very crafty <laughs> so yeah. you know yeah um so cool cool um tim you've been playing a fair amount of hyperspace and and you notably did well um in the system open with uh what is a hyperspace legal list in the world's qualifier uh with your your tie advanced have you got any thoughts beyond uh what Ollie's already said on on the format no i mean i, I quite enjoy a restricted format i think it does it does force a little bit of you know, player choice, and you know, you know, within the restrictions. I mean, there's always going to be a meta uh, which will develop uh, as sort of, you know, perhaps not being sort of crude, but you know, the, the better players or, or you know the, those that can write better lists, you know, sort of come up with the meta list as such, and then others will come up and invent a counter list for that. So it, that can be a bit boring in a way if a meta becomes stale and it's just the same list that's doing well over and over again. Um, but I took five tie advanced, um, hoping to actually fight uh, fire sprays, um, but I didn't face any in day one of the system open. Um, and in the end, I actually had um, uh, my sort of my better run as such in the extended event with the five advanced. Um, still didn't, didn't play any fire sprays, I don't think. Um, but no, it's uh, I, I, I quite like it. I think um, what would be good for hyperspace is if it like rotated every six months. Or I mean, I, sh I assume that'll be with the points change or, or whenever. Um, but yeah, a bit of rotation would be good, or often frequent rotation. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it when it first came out that there was a seemed to be a scattergun approach to what wasn't allowed in. Um, so, you know, it was, right, we're going to take all of that out, we're going to take all of that out, you know, we're going to take the Star Fortress out of Resistance as an example, um, but also we're going to take, you know, one specific pilot out from one specific ship, you know, we're going to take Lulu out, we're going to take Wedge out in the T-65. Um, so it did appear to be, if anything is good, we're going to take it out. And then we'll just come back to talk about it now because it is the elephant in the room, except for Boba, um, except for Slave One. Um, Ollie, think, yeah, is, is it is it an oversight by FFG? Do you think, or do you think it's purposeful because they want Boba Fett to be on the tables because he is an iconic character? So this is interesting. Um, if you have a look at the meta before um, the points changes, um, Boba wasn't really a thing because they made him too expensive. And he is still basically that expensive. I think he only dropped by a single point from 86 to 85. 
Um, so you wouldn't have expected him to be uh, that much better. But the problem is, is that what FFG did by removing most of the other um, scary ships, if you like. So, like, I, I think you're absolutely right. They took out a lot of the power spike. Um, they took Crackshot out. They took Wedge out. A lot of those scarier ships, like Afterburners, can't go on Vader. Whisper can't be there. Um, that you would normally expect. They aren't there. Um, and that was what was keeping Boba down, was the hypermaneuverability of the aces. Suddenly, you make him the highest initiative in apart from what so you've got poe vader and fen fen is in boba's faction so why not pair him with him you can have a two-ship list that has a ridiculous bid it can take on swarms because of boba's ability and bob can have bombs it can take on aces because you have a huge bid boba takes on anyone initiative five or lower and fen just uh, spends his life killing the other initiative six if you ever see one um and yeah it just generally if if you're playing against beef then slave one does the business I, th I think the, the problem that FFG didn't see, and I don't blame them at all for not seeing it, was uh, was Maul. I, th I think Maul was so super expensive that you think, oh, he's, he's not very good. Uh, but when you put him in a list that has a huge initiative bid um, and on a ship that can boost into range one and get two rerolls naturally, plus Fearless. I, I did the numbers on this the other day, by the way, and uh, it is 96% for four hits if Boba has two rerolls in the focus at range one. It is 87% of four hits if he just has the force and two rerolls. Um, that's if he's triggering fearless. So, yeah, that's uh, to give you some comparison. If you have a focus on a target lock, it's only 72% for four hits. So that gives you an idea of just how accurate Boba is at range one if he gets in. Yeah. So that that fearless build, that's the one that that sits in with Fen. The other bogeyman is is the Bofrost list that Tebow won the system open with. Where he doesn't have quite the the the, the punching power, mm. he's a little bit lower because he doesn't have the, the points to put fearless on. Um, but you know, there's another fire spray there that's basically a mini Boba running around doing the same stuff. Um, so, I, I mean, it's, it's it's interesting the the point that you make, um, and I think a lot of people are pointing at slave one and saying it's dumb that it's only a point. But I think you're on something with Maul there because. If you link Maul in with Contraband Cybernetics, even if you end up double or triple stressed, the turn after that, you can still, you know, drop a bomb and then Talon roll um, or K-turn and then still take actions. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it delays that bad turn by another turn of you basically being able to do whatever you want. Yeah, I think the, the problem with Boba right now is his ability to be able to always have a focus. Um Boba just dies if he doesn't have his defensive modifications. Um, so the fact that Maul is there is a big problem. I, d I don't know. Like, if, if you have a look at the Bofrost list, the um, Koshka and Boba, I actually think that's okay. Like, you have to fly that list really well to do well with it because you are going to be beaten on initiative by aces, and there are a lot of initiative five aces around. Like, if you run into Duchess, like, Boba has a really bad day. You have to be able to deal with those Imperial aces with bombs. Um, which takes a fair bit of skill. Um, so it's not surprising that Timo managed to win with it because he's a very good player. But yeah, I think I, th I don't know. I I like the I like the idea that hyperspace was meant to be a thing that had a bit more dice variance but encouraged skill, and it's turning into a bit more of the perfect information machine with Boba, which I I dislike because he nopes dice variance and he nopes. Um, like any form of um, 
good flying by just saying, okay, I'll go the other way, which is fine if it's in an environment where everything else can do that too. But it's not because everything else has been nerfed. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this a couple of episodes ago um, where the Boba, um, or the, the Bofrost list and a couple of the other lists that are floating around and, and people are kind of getting excited about at the moment are the first lists that have hit top of the, the competitive environment or, or the meta um, where they have got access to both offensive and defensive um, dice modifications. So you're not letting your luck ride on your dice. Um, mm. And I'm thinking a lot of the lists like um, the, the 5T65s or the 4T70s, you know, you are still relying an awful lot on your dice to turn up if you've got a single focus mod on everything. Um, otherwise, you know, if, if you blank out two to three turns in a row on a T65, whether it's Luke Skywalker or a, a Blue Squadron, um, it's still going to die um, yeah. because it's only got two green dice and it's only got six health. Um, I think the thing with some of the, the fire sprays is that they've got two green dice and they've got 10 health or 11 mm-hmm. if you put a hull upgrade on them. Yeah. Um, so even in a bad turn of shooting, they're not likely to die. Um, the numbers on Boba, um, on what damage Boba takes from an eight dice, uh, an eight ship um, separatist swarm, um, if he's reinforced with, you know, some ships at range one, some ships at range two, he takes like three damage on average over the course of that turn um, and takes a, a, a droid off. Um, you know, if you don't care how much stress you eat, basically he's he, he's invulnerable. Um, yeah. So. Um, that's if he gets the reinforce. You know, if you bump him so he doesn't get the reinforce, he, you know, he takes like six damage or something. He still doesn't die. <laughs> you know, so yeah. Which um, I think if if a ship can land in front of an eight dice droid swarm and not die, then that's it's pretty good. Yeah. So I mean, all that said, um, we've had a couple of results come in from um, some store championships in America over the course of last weekend, um, and there's been other ones this weekend as well. Um, so uh, I'm looking on List Fortress at the moment at uh, the Asgard Game Store Championship Season 1. Um, okay. is in Texas. Um, so it was won in the end by a seven-ship um, scum list, um, which was Sunny Bounder in a, in a skick with autoblasters, and then six cartel spacers with autoblasters as well. Now, yeah. it does have to be said that Jeremy Chambly, who's a well-known top-end um, X-Wing player, um, did do King of Swiss and then drop, so he didn't play in cut. And he was flying Boba, a Skull Squadron, and a Zealous Recruit. Um, so, you know, Boba did boss Swiss in that tournament. Um, and it would remain to be seen how that had done in cut, um, or whether that was, you know, hey, it's Jeremy, he's the best player in our store. Um, so he's dropped to let somebody else go off and play it. I don't know, um, whatever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, seven skicks with auto blasters. What's that about? That is that is interesting. I mean, I feel like, I feel like this list does. I mean, I don't think it even gets dumpstered by Bobber and Fenn. I so. Here's, so this, here's, yeah, sorry, carry on. I was going to say this rides on its green dice, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, we, so we had a chat about this on Slack earlier today. Yeah, yeah. This this is like um, Tim. You've said the same thing about your tie advanced. Um, if you get the green dice variants, not even variants, but if you just get average or slightly better dice um, on your greens, um, then you can win games quite easily. If your greens crap out, then you have a much tougher time. And this must be it, mustn't it? Yeah, and I think, like, so obviously you've got to be good at flying these things, first of all. But if you put them in the right positions and your green dice are good, there's literally nothing your opponent can do. Um 
obviously you can lose the game if the green dice are bad, but you've got seven ships, so if you lose a couple of ships to bad green dice, you can still pull it back. Um, whereas if on the first engagement, say for example you're playing against that um, five X-Wing list, so you've got the the five rookies coming in, you engage them at range two, um, and they shoot at you and they maybe kill a sick, maybe not, depending on how the green dice go, uh, at which point you shoot back. Uh, seven of your ships have... Um, focuses left because they're focusing on one and even if you lost a sick then cool i guess that's six three dice shots into an x-wing and that dies um yeah it's it's really hard to beat um because most of the things in hyperspace i suppose you've you've got to trade with now you can't either fully dodge them or uh be super safe at range three so yeah if your opponent's uh, green dice are going well and i think this is something that we've been seeing for a little while with the um the five a-wings is that if your opponent rolled good dice, you couldn't really do much? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> just moving on to another one. Um, you know, we're back in the same territory. We're in Springfield, Illinois, um, so over in America again. Um, that was won by uh, Kylo Scorch, Zeta Squadron Survivor, Rivas, uh, Lieutenant Rivas, sorry, and an Epsilon Squadron Cadet, um, which uh, and and cut though, was topped by Luke Skywalker, Ted Num, and Braylon Stram. Three-ship list. Um, and I looked at the three-ship list and wondered how on earth is he making that up to nearly 200 points. And he's got intimidation on his B-wings, proton <laughs> torpedoes. I, it's, it looks like I, the kind of list that somebody makes when they first walk in and they own a starter box and two B-wings that they've got because they like them. But I obviously, I don't understand um, this. No, not at all. Um, but I think this is one of the things about hyperspace. We've, we've said a, a couple of times, just around game nights and stuff, that if you're flying ships that you know well and you're confident with your positioning and you're confident with your manoeuvring, um, then if the variance swings your way, then you can do well in a tournament. Um, you know, you can go 4-0 or 5-0 or, or, or whatever. Um, and it's the same with the X-Wings and all of the generic squads, isn't it? Um, if you know your list and you're good at positioning, and it does come down to positioning to give your dice the maximum opportunity um, to, to win the game for you. Um, obviously, variance can still happen. But, you know, I don't think it's any... I've said this before, so I'm not going to labour the point. I don't think it's any surprise that we still see the same names at the top end of tournaments. No, um, I'd, I'd agree you know. with that. And, and I think that there is... Because it's something that has been cropping up a few times in conversations I've been in recently. It's that the idea of someone saying oh you just won because you had good dice um and that's like it feels like it's a put down uh because it i mean it is in a way but it's the fact that someone is frustrated about their variance so they're they're complaining about that and then it feels like oh but like so i didn't do anything right for the entire game kind of thing um but it yeah you, you yeah. can feel like that I, I feel like these days uh, in hyperspace you'll still see the big names making cut. And if you have a look at the Illinois um, tournament there, you've got both Tyler Tippett and Marcel Manzano, mm -hmm. uh, both incredible pilots, um, in that top eight. Uh, so the big names are making it there, but then can they win every single game in the cup without getting unlucky? Um, yeah. It's a question. And yeah, yeah I, d I don't know. I think, I think Hyperspace has put the game in a good place. Uh, and as long as every single list has to deal with variants, that's fine. Uh, you've just got to make sure that every single list does have to deal with variants otherwise you come into problems yeah and that takes us back to the you know the bobber 
thing, doesn't it? Yeah, because that, that, that's where the variance so. disappears. Um, but, you know, we're seeing an awful lot of results coming in from an awful lot of stores and we're not seeing an awful lot of Boba at the top end of it. And I don't know whether that's local store metas and people resisting the, you know, or, or social pressure not to fly the, the big, dirty meta hotness and to do something more interesting. Um, I, yeah. You know, could, could it be that? I don't know. It, it could be. I think what's what's quite interesting is if you have a look at those two um, championships on uh, List Fortress, what you are seeing is you're seeing a big upswing in lists that run into that variance. They mm-hmm. like if you have um, if you ride the variance. So for example, you've got um, Kylo and Four Omegas uh, with Fanatical. Um, you've got a load of uh, Duchess and Planetary Sentinels, uh, a load of things with uh, either three red dice or three green dice just taken in large numbers and i think that it is the time of the generic again um they're coming back which yeah it means that not every game is going to go your way but if if your positioning is good then you're going to win an awful lot of games because you're throwing enough dice that some of them are going to be good um so yeah i think it's it's interesting that things are swinging that way and i think that's going to make life even for a hyper-reliable ship, uh, I think it's going to make life very difficult because you have so many arcs and so many guns. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think it's not just the fact that people aren't taking it. I think it's the fact that there is a natural counter to that, uh, which is flying more ships, having more arcs, having more guns. Uh, yeah. But what that does is it does push the game into a more variance-heavy meta. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and we were chatting briefly before, I think the variance that you hit is green dice variance, not red dice variance, because yeah. you're going to hit your, if you're shooting first, you're going to want to be spending your focus or your target lock or whatever you've, you've taken um, to try and um, initiative kill something. Um, if you're shooting second, you're happy because then you know that you've got your focuses um, or whatever that you can use. Um, but being able to just ride out those initial engages and not losing a ship is, it's all done on those green dice, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, I mean, just just to kind of take it away from the variance conversation a bit, because people are probably bored of hearing me yeah, have an sorry. opinion on it. <laughs> I was wondering what um, what are you looking at flying at at the moment? I mean, I'm I'm assuming you don't have some deep dark secret for store championships. You know, it's no, kind of no. a, so I've I've actually gone the other way. Um, yeah. Because I know that the fangs are still in the back pocket as like that list that rides on its greens. I've got that there. Um, but I've I've started looking a bit more at both rebels and resistance, um, so I I love the triple ace archetype. So I've been looking at resistance um, and basically stealing Andy Brazier's list once again because uh, <laughs> I stole Jake Han off him. Um, mm-hmm. I yeah stolen a lot of lists since, but uh, the one that he took to top sixteen in the UK Open, yeah, um, which is Kaz, um, Poe and Zizi. And I've I've been fiddling around a little bit at, with it, but the general idea is is that you have three ships that are incredibly hard to catch. So if you can lose the game when your green dice go bad, if you just don't get shot, then you win all the time, right? Um, so it's it's a list that takes a lot of care and patience to fly because you've got to make sure that none of your ships got caught out. Um, but it's got proton torpedoes at Poe. Um, it's got <clears throat> I think Kaz ends up with about fifty points. He's uh, he's got a lot of toys. Basically, means that he can slam, flip a card, uh, 
that isn't something nasty for him and still shoot. So yeah, it's, uh, he, he can also crash yeah. and slam, so that's fun. And then the other one is um, Luke, Thane, and Leia, uh, which is just efficiency. And I think you were playing a bit with that as well. Yeah, I've had a few games with it. I think I'm probably going to take it to our store championship, to be honest, because um, I don't think I'll win with it, but it's a huge amount of fun. Um, slapping three target locks down at initiative five on the opening gauge and just shooting something um, and then seeing what happens when the dust settles and then, you know, the next turn you do the same thing again. Um, and I was looking at Thane into fireballs because um, I think people are going to be turning fireballs up and Thane basically just opens them up, doesn't he? Um, you know, he goes, oh, well, I've got to focus. Uh, so instead of spending my calculate or my focus token, I'll just spend that um, and flip that card already. Um, and we'll see what it is. And, you know, if you find a direct hit, then, and I know you can look at them, but if you find a ship that has a direct hit, you just go, yeah, I'm just going to kill you now um, yep. by, by just regularly flipping in this. Um, he's great fun. Um, and it is a really good list. And it's really, it hits really hard. And I'm really enjoying Leia as a pilot as well. Um, because with K2SO, um, plus Leia, you've got so many different options for little janky things you can do with passing actions around. Oh, um, so much fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, that list. Um, but it's hyper-modded for offense, but it's got very little on defense apart from Luke. And it Luke does. still dies if he blanks out because, you know, yeah. Yeah, six behind two agility, isn't it? So, so it's, cool. it is very much a list that survives on its positioning because of the fact that it has, it has less in terms of... Um, yeah, it, it just has so much less in terms of that uh, defensive mod. But if you get the positioning right, then you are going to out-trade someone. Um, it is quite tasty in terms yeah. of the, the offensive output it puts out. So, yeah, I'm, I'm liking it at the moment. It's It's been okay. I, I managed to go 4-0 and then dropped um, at a, the Camino Open up in um, Gillingham in Kent. Uh, mm-hmm. That was last weekend. I like so, how you talk about Kent as being up. Like, well, I, you, you I live, live in the only bit of the country where Gillingham <laughs> is up from anywhere. <laughs> I, I live, I live in Brighton, so everywhere. <laughs> unless we're talking about the darkest depth of Cornwall, um, I think yeah. <laughs> even Exeter is up for me. If you have a look at it geographically, <laughs> I, I was just wondering, Tim. Are you? I know you're going to be hitting a couple of um, store champs um, as well. Have you, are you just? I say just. Are you going to be taking the tie advanced, or has anything else um, turned your head? Uh, I was actually watching uh, some of the live stream from the Camino Open. I think it was the, um, the Firestorm guys, weren't they? The Firecast yeah. were, yeah. were streaming. So I actually watched a bit of Ollie's game. And the Luke layer thing does appeal to sort of my play style as well. Um, and it was actually Andy Brazier's um, uh, resistance that um, put me to 4-2. Um, and he went 5-1 at the Open. Um, so yeah so i mean i I actually fell in love with the fireball that game because just watching what andy did with kaz i mean literally my my tie advance would just she just flew circles around him because could not tie down the fireball so i have flown the fireball in a few games and it's quite an interesting ship obviously i've got my resistant a wings as well um but probably the tie advanced i do quite like um the matchup was sort of a lot of people don't know necessarily what like a, a squadron of tie advances will do to you, um, and yeah, it's um, it's interesting taking something that perhaps people are not too sure about. You know how to engage it or how to joust it or what they want to do with it. Yeah, so, 
It's right. our surprise factor. Also, the big brass balls. I mean, I, a lot of people are talking about farmer having big balls, like flying uh, four fireballs in rows. Mm. I, th- I think you're going to beat Tim. You're flying five tie advanced. No, no one thinks those things are good, but you're still doing really well with them. Yeah, I mean, as I say, I mean, the green, the green dice are massive, but also it is decision making as well. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I played a practice game. I think it may have been on the stream actually against uh, Rick Cooper at the club on Tuesday, and we had this point where he didn't want to joust me, so he's up in the opposite corner. But eventually, we end up sort of going sort of front on at each other, and at the range three engagement, um, I've taken some target locks and, and what have you. He then expected me to go five forwards and just dive in at his B wings, but I just did a one forward. And it meant that we we had a range two <laughs> range two engagement, and he was like, I didn't expect that at all. I was like, Well, no, because I, I wanted the I don't want you to get extra red dice. I want my focus yeah. tokens and roll as many green dice as possible and hope you don't take off a tie advanced. And, yeah, and, and then it, you just hose him. Well, this is it. He got one of the tie advances down to one hole, and then I was like, Right, okay, that's that's five uh, modded shots back into you. Took off ten num. Took off, I think. Uh, Garvin shields possibly into Hull as well. Um, I mean, it was game over at that point. You know, it just it was a it was a just a brutal engagement at that point. Now, obviously, if my, my if then my green dice weren't great, uh, Rick's red dice weren't very good. Um, so because he was further away, he was rolling less red dice, which meant that even with the mods, he just wasn't getting you know the the extra, the extra shots or. Um, the extra damage being pushed through that you wanted, so there there is certainly a lot of decision making that has to go into flying a list well, um, and then just yeah, hope your your you sort of your luck holds out as such. You don't it doesn't need to be good necessarily, but you just yeah you don't you don't want those bad rolls. Yeah, I, f- I find myself just hoping for average most of the time. I I think this is why I've been finding myself frustrated because like through all of that explanation, it's like right, so you had good range control. You had good target um, priority, and you you went in with a plan. You knew exactly where you were going, um, and yeah, because of that you won the game. I think the reason that I get frustrated a lot of the time is because <laughs> I expect those uh, little hateful cubes to be average all the time, and it's it's drawing it back when they don't. But okay, so here's here's a question for both of you, um, because Tim said there that he, he didn't want to uh, his opponent didn't want to joust him, but after flying around for like say half an hour they just ended up jousting in the middle anyway um because I, I think a lot of people do that against swarm and the the minoc um thread recently was uh the idea that why are people bad against swarms and i i, I wonder what you thought as opposed to instead of just flying around for half an hour and then jousting anyway what what could you do to not end up in that scenario uh, it's, it's a tricky one. Like when I started out with X-wing, my my sort of plan against swarms was always to not engage in the first half an hour and try and let their formation break up. And you know, once they start bumping or get out of position, now obviously against a good swarm player, that's not going to happen. Um, so you know, I, I I used to sort of think of that from the other way around when I was flying my my tie swarm or whatever of uh, just if they don't want to engage then I'll just do my own little thing in the corner and wait for them to get bored and you know come across but I think I think it yeah it's it's tricky it's like you sort of go into the game thinking well I'm not going to joust you and then you end up jousting anyway and it does seem a bit counter sort of 
I mean, maybe maybe they thought they'd engineered a better engagement for themselves by I don't know. Perhaps they think they're isolating parts of the ships, uh, but it's it's always you know quite weird when I mean I, I if you watch the video back we've we've essentially just we have we've jousted down the middle and it's only after about ten or fifteen minutes. So maybe maybe Rick should have not taken the bait as such and and perhaps to try and sort of get around. But the tie advanced, and I suppose the same can be said for. You know, A wings can be said for the Tie Swarm. Um, they are very quick ships. So, I mean, I've won games with my Tie Swarm where my opponent thought that they were being clever and sort of turning away. And then, as soon as you start dialing in the five forwards, you know your ships is shifting across the board. Um, and suddenly, you might end up if you don't joust, you might end up out of position. Yeah. Yeah, I think just I I know the theory behind how to play against the Swarm. I also know that I don't have the patience to do it um, because I, I very much want to play plastic spaceships so that I can, you know, shoot pretend lasers from my plastic spaceships at somebody else's plastic spaceships. So, you know, it's like I, I figure out, oh, maybe if I just get that little bit of range control right, maybe I can nip one off on the corner of, of the swarm, um, you know, just half point something and then you know the onus is on them to start coming towards me and then when it doesn't happen rather than going right that didn't work i need to disengage and fly around a bit more what i tend to do is then press into that engage to try and actually oh it's failed now i need to do something rather than resetting and coming back in again um and what ends up happening then is that one of your ships gets blocked and the swarm kills it and then you've lost um and i get the you know the whole you should be attacking from three different directions with your three different ships and you know, you should make the swarm pick one way or the other um, and give yourself escape routes for how to get out and all of this stuff. Um, and it's interesting listening to um, Old 186 Squadron um, episode with Andrew Patterson where he talks yeah. about rock setup um, and how to set rocks up against swarms. And there's some basic stuff that people have kind of forgotten. Um, like, I know you don't want to give um, a vulture swarm um, a lovely clustered rock field in the middle, especially if they've all got struts or even if some of them have got struts because, you know, they can just do all that barrel roll nonsense where they're getting unblockable blocks in and uh, or un unseeable blocks in because, you know, they're sticking themselves in a rock and then barrel rolling back off it again, all this nonsense. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're really tough games and that's the thing. I mean, I, I got around having to figure out how to play against swarms for a long time by playing Venny. Um, with a trajectory simulator and a proton bomb. Um, and so swarms just ran away from you the whole time and showed you their tail and you flew around behind them killing them. Um, or they jousted you and they died to your proton bombs and it was fine. Um, but now I have to learn how to actually play the game rather than just relying on 106 points of resistance bomber <laughs> to do the job for me. So. Yeah, this is a good point because you have spent literally, it seems like years at this point, just throwing bombs at swarms. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I used to play Dash Poe and people, you know, I watched, um, I think it was Ben Lee at a Nationals, maybe, playing Dash Poe um, towards the back end of, of version one. Um, and he picked apart um, a guy playing a, a um, scum swarm. It was like this weird scum salad swarm that was like quad jumpers and all sorts of stuff in it that nobody used at that point in time. Um, and Ben basically very, very calmly and very, very patiently just kept shooting ships at range three with no return shots from dash yeah and then i played against it i played a very very similar game and he basically boxed dash into a corner blocked him and murdered him 
Um, and I was like, but this shouldn't be happening. I should be nuking your ships one at a time. Why, why has this gone wrong for me? And it's because I haven't got the patience or the um, the ability to read the game that somebody like Ben does, where I can, you know, read what that person's going to do with their swarm net. And, you know, he was just jumping out of it constantly, just turning out of it and not being in the net anymore. I was like, how is it that every time you make a decision, you make the right one? Um, where every time I make a decision, it seems to be wrong. Um, yeah. Um, we said it in last episode when we were talking to Lee. Um, at the Sith Taker Open, he lost one game, which was against Tom Reed in top four. And he said, you know, there was that one turn where Tom did that one move, which if he did that one move, he won the game. And that's the move that Tom did. Um, but, you know, players at that level just see that stuff. Um, yeah. It's almost like a, like something that you can't really coach. Um, like I've ch- chatted to Jack Mooney as well about, you know, why am I so bad at flying falcons? Why do I always get them trapped in a corner and killed? And he was like, I-, I don't know, don't put them in a corner, I guess. And I was like, thanks, man. But <laughs> that's know? so Jack, Jack is one of those players that just doesn't think about what he does. He just does it. Yeah. Um, and he's just very good at knowing it. But also, if you have a look at how he flies, it does give you that tip because he goes straight through the middle with his falcon. And this is this is the thing in terms of with getting boxed into a corner. You've you've got to be looking at these situations and going, okay, so if is there a situation that ends up where if if two turns down the line, if my opponent turns in right now, two turns down the line, I'm dead because I'm in a corner. So you can't, you're not allowed to make that decision because if it's a 50-50, your opponent could make that 50% choice. So if it's a choice between taking a couple of shots now and not getting put in the corner, you have to take a couple of shots now. Um, And that's where, like, you know, when you have conversations about playing a new player um, and like the, uh, the best swordsman in the world doesn't have to worry about the second best swordsman. He has to worry about the beginner because... Mm -hmm. If if the new player like they they're making those decisions based on just what they're thinking about right now, they can completely catch you out because they're not thinking about those situations a couple of turns down the line. They're just thinking about this turn and the entire swarm turns to where it shouldn't be because, well, we're not trying to box dash. We're just trying to shoot him this turn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've gone on for quite a while, which we thought we would do. So we are running out of time. Um, so... Uh, all that said, have you got any final thoughts, Ollie, on hyperspace store championships, any of that stuff? I think it's turning into a good place. Um, I think, bar- barring my frustration on not having the reliable dice of uh, extended, which is just a problem with me, I think actually it's turning into a really good thing. And if you have a look at what ships are coming out in the meta, there are some so many ships that you just wouldn't have expected six months ago. Um, I think, as Tim said, um, the idea that it's going to rotate every six months and then in between that six months you have a a new wave of ships to whet your appetite is amazing. Um, I also think that FFG shouldn't be afraid of fiddling with things midway just to make life interesting. But I Mm -hmm. think all in all, it's a good place. Cool. I I think I agree with a lot of that. Tim, have you any closing thoughts? Not really, no. I think um, it's going to be an interesting month or so. We, I think we were chatting beforehand and, you know, store championships have sort of come out of nowhere and, and we're almost going to get, like, multiple events dropping every weekend now. So you're going to see 
you know, the, the metaforming, we're going to be able to look at List Fortress and see, you know, perhaps what's doing well, what's not doing well. And it'll be interesting to see where those events where you get lists that people perhaps weren't predicting or weren't thinking about. And then, you know, how, you know, how or why have they done well? So now it's an exciting time, I think, uh, for X-Wing at the moment. Yeah, everything from 12 people up to 40, 50, 60 people in the store championship. So you never know what's going to happen, do you? Um, and on that thought, um, it's going to be a goodbye from Ollie. Goodbye. A goodbye from Tim. Goodbye. And a goodbye from me, uh, Rich Polly. Thank you very much, and see you next time. Bye. If you change your mind, take a chance on the first in line. Honey, I'm still free. Take a chance on me. If you need me, let me know. Gonna be around. If you got no place to go, when you're feeling down. If you're all alone.